Here we go, Kings of the Podcast, episode 139. Uh, Dennis Bernstein, fresh back from the Umbrella Drink Convention in Las Vegas. How are you? I'm doing great. I had to invent my own umbrella drink at the Chandelier Bar at uh, the Cosmopolitan last night because they don't have pomegranate juice. They so I, I went with the orange juice and peach vodka, which was very tasty. It was good. Yeah, it was good. It was on my Instagram story. It was really good. Uh, Good game last night, Colorado and and uh, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Nachushkin, they're lucky they signed that guy because that guy's the MVP for them right now. Made a, a big move to win that game last night at three two. Saw our friend uh, Mark Moser, saw Connor McGahey. So it was good to get back uh, to Vegas and see a game. And uh, but ready for uh, Kings of the Podcast because there's uh, not much to talk about, John. Yeah, look, uh, Twitter, social media has been a buzz, oh, yeah. Dennis. Uh, the, oh, yeah. the, the people, the people cannot wait for this episode. They want to hear some opinions. They want to hear some hot takes. We have some breaking news that we'll get to as well a little bit later on and share some scoops that we've been digging up. But first, let's welcome everybody to the Don West studio. Now, DB, you might be racking your brain wondering. I am. I am. Don West, sure. you don't remember a member of the LA Kings. And no, this might be the first time that we have named the studio after a non-LA Kings random player. Don West, of course, is uh, legendary in the sports trading card uh, business oh, from back okay. in the day on the Shop at Home Networks and, and whatnot. Uh, and when I think of the number 139, all I think of is Don West because he just would use, he used to scream into the television, right? Call now. Okay. 139 this is an unbelievable deal and you know he would give you a hundred boxes of cards and there was the right, joe right. montana card and uh it, some people know exactly what i'm talking about they're cracking up laughing right now but rem remembering don west and the 139 specials the blowout the bonanza uh other people have no idea and if you missed it back in the day on like i don't know channel 56 or some random channel uh long before people were watching cable uh, you really missed out. Don West. Now, he's had a second career also, Dennis. Um, okay. He really became famous, I, I think, coming off of the Saturday Night Live skit where Will Ferrell spoofed exactly what I'm talking about here, the 139 card uh, uh, blowouts. But also, he, you know, we talk pro wrestling periodically on this program. Sure. And uh, he was a longtime pro wrestling announcer with the Impact and TNA group uh, out of, uh, where was that, out of Tennessee or wherever that was, yeah, the Jeff Tennessee. Jarrett promotion. and Jeff then Jarrett, right, exactly. Yeah, and then later some other people got involved, and I, I don't know who owns it now. Access owned it for a while or whatever. Uh, but here's the thing, though, DB. There is a hockey tie-in, if you can believe it. He actually did some hockey uh, announcing for the Wenatchee Wild, I believe they're of the BCHL. So <laughs> okay, he did... you're making this shit up now. No, 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 I'm telling you the truth. It ties in. 
It ties in. Of course it ties in. It always does, Dennis. It always right, does. It always does. Um, would you like to tell us any more about Vegas before we move on just about your, your visit and your trip and, uh, what you were doing there, or, uh, we've covered it and we can, we can skip ahead to the LA Kings news. Well, just the one thing that, that resonates for me right now is that, and you and I've been there tons of times over the last two and a half years, when you get off the plane, you want to get a taxi. There's usually 10 people. Now it's three deep with people mm -hmm. waiting for a taxi, which is a great thing to see. It's back to normal. And look, live your life. You want to wear a mask still around, that's fine. But I think this is close as possible back to normal 2019 as I've ever seen it, which is a great thing to see. A lot of people on the strip, a lot of traffic. It's tough getting an Uber. You know, is that the way Timmins go to the airport today? So to me, it's just um, people are venturing out again, and it's great to see that Vegas is, is very vibrant. Of course, it's an NFL weekend, so it's going to be more. But it's just great to see people in droves back in Vegas. Okay, well, we're not going to talk about the NFL because it was another disappointing weekend uh, for the Denver Broncos who can't seem to score a touchdown oh, to save their life. Uh, however, back to the Vegas, it does appear that Vegas is expecting a big New Year's weekend. I was checking out the hotel rates. The Misfits yeah. and the Circle Jerks are playing a show in Vegas oh, on New Year's Eve. And wow, the uh, New Year's Eve weekend rates are back up to sort of pre-pandemic rates. So yeah. Vegas is back, I guess is what I'm trying to tell you, Dennis. For sure. It, it certainly is. I witnessed it firsthand. I'm, I'm really I'm thrilled about it just in general. All right. So, look, we have a lot to get to in today's program. We do have Kelly Cheeseman joining us as we teased an episode or two back. He's going to come on. We'll ask him a bunch of questions about the jerseys and the status of the business with uh, AEG, uh, the building improvements, all sorts of good stuff related to the business side, DB. But fans not only want the business information related yeah. to the LA Kings, they want the roster and the on ice information. And so I think yeah. we have a lot to get to. There might be some goaltending to talk about. There might be some injuries to talk be. about. Uh, there might uh, there might be a lot to talk about. But Dennis, I've been holding on to this all day. I went against my Go better ahead. judgment and uh, I saved this for the program. From all indications, from what I'm uh, from what I'm gathering, it is trending in the direction of well, pretty much exactly what we talked about six months ago. You can expect Brant Clark to be up in the NHL for the balance of the season. That's the way it's looking, DB. I, I think it's great. I think it, there's there's a lot of work to do. Um, you know, look the, the other night in DC, him and Edler were not a good pair. They just were on ice for three goals, and, and it's a work in pro progress. The the tricky thing is that the guy that you thought was going to be the left side defenseman on the top four, Sean Walker, has been scratched a couple of games. So it's good to see. And you know me, John. I, I, I want to play these kids. I want to be aggressive with that. I don't think it's going to – I don't think it would, be as, would help his development to go back to the to the juniors. And, and we talk, I talked with Craig Button. Um, I was on with Steve Coolius on Friday. And we talked about Shane Wright. And Shane Wright might go back because he's been scratched a couple of plays, eight minutes a night. If he goes back, he said it wouldn't – be the best thing for him to go back to Kingston. If you go back, you have to go to a situation that is going to enhance and build your your experience. And that's what I said about Shane Wright. So with, with Brent Clark, if he's just going to go back to, to Barry, what's that going to do? If he got put on a better team or a team that could complement his skills, maybe that would work. But uh, the kid's exciting. Let him learn with Drew. Let him learn with Matt Roy. Let him work with the guys here. Let him learn from Kopitar and, and the rest of them. And he fits in. And he's, he, he's not – this this brash youngster he wants to learn he, he wants to be better so i'm all for it um I, look they could all be better on the blue line but uh that would be great to see to be honest with you john i think that would be a, a win for the organization and for the media and the, and the fans as well 
Yeah, it will be. And as the year wears along and Brant Clark becomes a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more open, fans or listeners of Kings of the Podcast, they know what an exciting interview he can be. He was so oh, much yeah. fun when we had him on the show uh, soon after he was drafted by the L.A. Kings uh, back in the first round. So he's an entertaining guy. He has a lot to say. He He's fun. He loves the game of hockey. Uh, and, and it'll be great. But, you know, I think that Rob Blake, when he was on the program recently, uh, was talking about Drew Doughty and uh, Doughty asking if, if he, you know, if Clark can stay yeah. up this year. I think that, go, that says a lot when, you know, when number eight, you know, over a thousand games, when he wants to keep that youthful energy around uh, and he wants to mentor him, he wants to be around him. He wants to, yeah. he wants to tap into his energy as well as give him some of his experience. It's going to be a great thing. And I think you're right, DB. It is a little bit of a work in progress, but look, Sean Dursey and Matt Roy were, uh, well, they were, I don't know what you want to call it, Dennis, but uh, they were a circus there a couple of games back. And, yeah. and it, it looked for sure like he was going to scratch uh, uh, Dursey or at least move him to the third pair. And the challenge with scratching him really was that you're putting Walker in there on the second pair and asking him to play big minutes coming off of an injury. And if yeah. you would have moved Dursey to the third pair, you're talking about Dursey playing with Clark, and that doesn't seem like a recipe for success. No. So McClellan went right back to the Dursey and, and Roy uh, uh, pairing in the next game, and things sort of settled down. And so I, I think you kind of want to look for that with the Edler and Clark uh, situation here as well. This would be my question, though, for you, DB. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would like to see them do internally uh, while they're waiting for this thing to sort of settle down because you, you have to sort of get, you have to understand what you have with Sean Walker. We've said it over and over and over again throughout yeah. the summer. You can't trade Sean Walker right now. You have to see what type of an asset that you have there. And if he's the piece that you want to move and you really realistically need to move probably two righties off, off the, uh, the roster in order to settle things eventually, whether that means before the trade deadline or even next summer going into next season, you probably have to move two of the righties off the roster, but, is there anything internally that you would like to see them do that they're not already doing? And where I'm going with this is Mavari and Bjornfoot. You have the mm -hmm. opportunity to carry eight defensemen if you wanted to. I understand the seven are locked in, but you can yeah. carry eight defensemen, especially when you're at home and you don't necessarily need two extra forwards. You could go with one extra forward, right? Mm -hmm. You can carry that eighth defenseman and maybe work Bjornfoot in. Maybe work Mavari in. I don't know. Just uh, any thoughts around that? Well, Bjornfoot... I, I guess he has to play, but he played 70 games in the NHL last year. He's not a rookie. Like Mavari, I, I don't think that's not going to help this team. I think the puck, the, uh, uh, a better skater, right? Here's the challenge, John. Here's the issue. And I'm writing a story, uh, I'm writing a piece for a fourth period right now about that. It would be okay to try to figure out the defense and tell the goaltenders, hey, you know what? There's going to be more high risk shots that you're going to have to save. The, the problem right now in the moment is, is that they're trying to figure it out on defense. And it's also a chemistry issue. You know, you know, when it's not that easy, John, like when you add Fiala, he's got a certain aspect that, that he's got to integrate. The, the, the no line started slow. They don't really have a shutdown line, John. That's the other thing. Like you normally be your third line, but Byfield and, and Velarde and Artie aren't that. And maybe it's the fourth line, but Blake Lazat wins faceoffs, but, you know, is Grunstrom and Lemieux really shut down defenders? So while you're trying to figure this out defensively, you're going to have to lean on your goaltending to make saves. And when the, both guys are bottom 10 and expected goals against, like it's not working. That's the problem. Like, they need to steal games right now because they, it's not going to stop. I mean, they, they, they're, what, 4.4 goals against? Like, this team doesn't look anything like the team that played last season in the playoffs. It's not necessarily a bad thing, 
But that's the challenge. That's why they look so bad. Hey, okay, our defense is giving up chances, but, you know, Quickie came up big. Our Cal had a 40-save performance. They're not getting either. So to answer your question, I don't think these – yes, beyond for, might make more sense, but I don't think anything more than that would fix this. I think there's got to be patience. They've got to acclimate this up. But this is a very different team, John. And the other thing is they draw a lot of penalties, but they take a lot of penalties. And the penalty kill has been okay, but it's a momentum thing. And not only that, at the tail end of power penalty kills, your team is still tired and they, they have a propensity to give up goals. So it's a really – like statistically, it's a really weird team. It's, it's what it is. So you have to wait for it to shake out. The one saving grace is, John, is that this division is not a good division. To, at least to start, it's not. I mean, Seattle's still in third place, I think. So I wouldn't be like, – like, John, we should talk about what won't happen from social media, right? <laughs> okay, well, hold, then, hold on. Because yeah, yeah, you, 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 you gave a litany today of what won't happen, so please. Well, I, I, I was trying to calm the waters. Uh, you know, I was trying to set the tone so that people could have a good Sunday uh, right. because social media is on fire right now. So, look, you, have, you, you just served up a lot to unpack, so let's yeah, try to unpack a little bit of that. And we, we certainly will save some of this for the third period as well, and we'll sure. let Kelly Cheeseman come in during the second period and, and give us a, a break from some of this roster talk and uh, a little bit of a reprieve and we can finish it in the third period. But I want to start with, uh, as we unpack what you just said there, I think you and I are on the same page about one thing, and that is that you have to kind of let this group work itself out. So where I'm going is I'm not necessarily in favor as much as I might like Mavari or Bjornfoot, and I want to see those guys in there. When I look at the seven defensemen that they have, I kind of think that they need to figure it out. And if you put Mm -hmm. Mavari in there or if you put Bjornfoot in there and it actually happens to work, while that's great because you're winning some games and you're picking up points, and at the end of the day, that's what's important, you're still left with all of the same questions, which is what do you do with Sean Walker? What do you do with Sean Dersey? How do you make it all fit? Is Dersey a second-pair guy? Is he a third-pair guy? There are just so many questions that right now I'd rather take the seven guys that they have and until somebody moves off the roster, let them figure out what's going on. And I'm I'm, I'm just boxing the defense in here a little bit, DB, because we can talk about the forwards. There's a lot to talk about there. We can talk about the goaltenders and what needs to happen and what's not going to happen. But I'm just speaking specifically of the defense. Somebody said earlier today on Twitter as well, they were like, what's going on? This is, you know, it's the same defense that they had last year. Why are they running around, you know, in a circus? I was like, well, hold on. It's not really the same defense that they had last year because Sean Dersey and uh, Drew Doughty were not together on the team very much at all. Drew Doughty missed the majority of the season and Sean Dersey came in. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. Right. And then Sean Walker missed all of last year. So while some of the names might be the same, even guys like Alex Edler missed a significant amount yeah. of time. So this group of seven and now you add Clark in, which is a whole other mm-hmm. wild card. Totally, now you add exactly. Clark in this group of seven players did not have time playing together last year by any stretch of the imagination, even if you remove Clark from the situation. So Trent Yanni has his hands full with very familiar names, plus Brant Clark, very familiar names, but still not very familiar pairings and not very, uh, not a lot of familiarity about who's going to slot in where and who's best on their offside and all those sorts of things. So it's seven games in like, yeah, sure. You wish this team was five and two instead of where they are. Yeah. Uh, however, I just, I guess I'm a little bit patient right now. Look back to where they were last year at this point and they're ahead. 
they're better. So, you know, there's there's a lot to work on. It's trending but, better, right? Yeah. What I, what six I, points as opposed to three points after something. I'm just not really in favor of working in a Bjornfoot or working in a Mavari at this point. It doesn't take anything away from those players because I think that Toby Bjornfoot is an NHL player, and I think that they will carve space for him to be up in the NHL. I think Jacob Mavari last year uh, showed everybody that he's ahead of schedule and, and that he's probably a much better option than maybe some people thought that he was. And so his his stock is on the rise. So that that those are both good things to say. I think the one thing you have to track, and, and, and he's not the same player he was before he broke his leg, is, is Edler. You really got to like manage that defenseman. It, can he carry? And if he's going to play third pair, it's 15 minutes a night. He should be able to carry that. He's not the same player. I don't know if it's lack of speed or look, and he's playing with a new defenseman. Even a guy who's played in the league for 15 years, he's got to acclimate himself to a kid who he's probably never played a player like that before. So yeah, you, you got to be patient here, but you can't have 4.4 goals against either, you know, in goals against it as well. Again, they have a bunch of parts and none of them fit near perfectly enough. In other words, you don't want to move Edler up to because he might be no. a better pairing might be Edler and Roy, but you can't put that responsibility on Edler at this particular point with yeah. his age coming off of the injury, et cetera. And, and even if you did do that, you're still back to what do you do on the third pair with, I guess, Walker yeah. and Clark as, as potentially yeah. a third pair. Or, you know, again, I just don't like the idea of Dursey uh, and Clark together at this point. That doesn't seem like a viable option. So this current mix of seven, it's not the best mix yet. It is what they have right now. And so I think until Trent Yanni and Todd McClellan figure it out and let's give them another 10 games or so to sort of figure this out and let it sort itself out. The good news is you have Drew Doughty and Mikey Anderson on your top pair. You also yeah. don't want Drew Doughty leading the league, uh, you know, in minutes played or average no. time on ice no. at this point in his career. You'd like to be able to ratchet some of those minutes back. And I know Drew would play, you know, 38 minutes yeah, a night if you let him, yes. but but you can't let him. Right. So this thing's going to have to sort of settle down and uh, and settle itself out. Jersey's also coming back off of injury DB. So let's not lo lo lose sight yeah, of that, you know, either right that. now, right? You have exactly. Jersey coming off of an injury. You have Edler coming back from an injury. You have Walker coming back from an injury. Hell, you even have Drew Doughty coming back from an injury, Dennis. So there are, a lot, again, a lot of things going on. I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying to say, let's add some context to the conversation. It's not as simple as this whole defensive group is a dumpster fire. Trade them all and start over. And the other thing that people are forgetting about is that this team is now, I think, tied for sixth scoring by, by defensemen. I think they were 28th last year. So you don't want to go back all the way back. I mean, they scored 21 goals last year as a group. They've already scored five. So they're probably going to score more than 21 goals. So, so it, it's got to be a blend here. The, I think that you got to tell the forwards and the goaltender that this team is going to take more. And you have to, John. In this league, I look, I get it. Colorado's got, you know, Kale McCarr and, and Gerard and, and Bo Byron. But you have to be more active. You, ha you have to get more scoring because they, they can't – and we've talked about this. They can't replicate what they did last season and think they're going to be in the playoffs. They need more offense. They're getting more offense. Matt Roy is jumping into play and scoring two goals in a game. So I think there's a balance has to be struck. But to your point, you have to go along the path to get to that balance. It just doesn't happen automatically, and it's, it doesn't happen after seven games. Maybe it's like baseball. Early in the season, pitchings get a – ahead of hitting maybe the offense is ahead of the defense it, it's got to you know it, it's got to get better but i'm not heading for the exits right now yeah you uh 
you do also want to give an opportunity for the younger players to get settled in with a guy like Drew Doughty in the lineup because Doughty's presence can be overwhelming. No different than the way that Gretzky's presence when he was in the lineup was overwhelming for some younger players. Doughty's presence in the lineup does change things. And again, I say that about Sean Dursey, having never talked with him about this specific topic. But remember, Dursey and Doughty have not played together, right? Yeah, uh, right. Dursey was in the lineup when Doughty was largely out of the lineup. So it's not like yeah. they have a real history together. And a guy like Brant Clark, he probably has daydreamed about being Drew Doughty when he's been out there on 100%. the ponds in Canada. And now he's in a stall in the locker room, you know, 10 feet away from him. So some of this, yeah. ha some of the awe factor has to wear off. And I think that's also one of the things that, always impressed me about Mikey Anderson is that no moment was too big for him. He came into the league. Todd McClellan talked about it after his just second or third game. And he's like, this guy, this kid is already like a veteran in the league. Yeah. Mikey was just an old soul. He's just a man already. And these other kids, they have to grow into their, I guess, their manliness, DB. And then also to pile on top of that for Brand Clark, then Drew Doughty says, yeah, I see some components of his game that uh, is my game like yeah, he, he's not right. me, me. Like he's never going to be that but so so add on to that oh by the way the guy in the stall he won you know you know he won two cups he says he sees some of his your game in him so that 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 adds to it but you're right you have to acclimate it and that's the one thing you have there is some stability on the top pair but the bottom four they got to figure it out but again it's not like they're they're 10 points out of a playoff spot here right now there, there's a there's a lot of bad teams around that are playing right now. You look at the Sharks, you look at the Ducks, they lost 5-1 today on, on, on Sunday. So I'm not – but they do have to figure it out. It has to be better. And it's not – look, I, and of course, John, the two – the buzzword, the buzz terminology, the game management as well. Like Okay. They, they haven't – yeah, they haven't been the smartest team with respect to game management. This is the last minute of Game management is struggling. The identity is uh, at best is a TBD right now. Uh, oh, totally. Let's do this, though. The sky is not falling, Dennis. We have plenty to talk no. about. And, hell, we're going to do a whole third period on goaltending. For some reason, people <laughs> want to talk about Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. Uh, I, I guess there might be a topic or two that we can delve into there. And don't worry. We have some – I have something really exciting to share with you when it comes to Cal Peterson that I'm going to save for the third period. But let's take a quick break. On the other side of uh, the advertisements and the music DB, we have Kelly Cheeseman joining us, and he'll talk a lot about the business side related to the LA Kings, AEG, Crypto.com Arena. We'll talk jerseys. We'll talk all sorts of fun stuff right after the break. Welcome back. Second period. It's that time of the season where I uh, try to get this guy's title right. I have muffed it probably about seven times through the years. I believe he is the COO of AEG Sports. Kelly Cheeseman. Cheese, did I get it right this time? You got it right. Oh. And you practiced. I've heard you practice it a good half dozen times in the last year. No, no, no. That's right. an assist from me. It's a stick tap from me. I got it right, and I gave it to him. I did. Truth be told, I thought I had it right, and then I said to Dennis right before, right before we hit record, I said, it's COO of AEG, right? I don't know why I can't get it right, but uh, 
Hey, no, whatever. I sometimes want... I give you a demotion. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I give you a promotion. It just depends. <laughs> I, I'm happy with the responsibilities I have within my title. So okay. Stick where, where we're at. Well, we could do a whole other podcast with your non-King's <laughs> responsibilities. We could talk about the galaxy. We could talk about the Ice yep. Baron and all of the other things. But we're going to try to focus on the LA Kings and cheese. Let's try to have some fun today. Okay. So we're going to come in. Hot. Right. We're going to come in hot right out of the gate. We need to know where will the Dustin Brown statue be located outside of crypto.com arena. And, and is, is there enough space already around where the 23 statue is going to go for eight, 11 and 32, because they all need to be together. Wow. You did come in hot. Well, you know. um, I am being 110% honest. We, we have go. not made a, we have not made a final determination. Jeez. So Jeez. we have three or <laughs> I, I swear, I swear, I swear we got, we got to, uh, we've had other things we're focused on the, the, the statues in good order and can fit in two or three locations. That's what, that's what I can tell you right now. So you're spending right. tens of thousands of dollars to have a statue created, and yet you don't even know where it's going yet outside the arena. That's what you're trying to tell us. I, I wish I could tell you it was tens of thousands of dollars. Okay. It's, it's quite a bit more than that. Hundreds but, of thousands uh, of dollars. <laughs> millions of dollars. Not not millions, but no, it, it, it is. It is uh, it's up there. It's a six-figure number. Um, no, I mean, we have a couple spots. I mean, truthfully, there's, there's a spot close to Bob. Um, and then there's another spot. There's other spots closer down towards the monument. So we haven't made a final determination on exactly where it's at. Um, if you guys also saw when we released the, uh, the little video on, uh, official release the video on, uh, the renovations of LA live and crypto.com arena, you'll see in the future that the plaza is going to join directly with the street and, and, uh, eventually that, the the street in front of crypto.com arena is going to go away so there's there's lots of future possibilities that way there you go breaking news dennis we didn't get we didn't get the inside scoop on the statue but we did get on the roads and the highways we received some information there about the streets going to eventually be closed you would think that yeah and it was was in that video too guys you you would think that a company like ag that owns and operates all this real estate would have you know, lock down the real estate, a spot for re- the real estate for oh, Dustin no, Browns. But I guess, yeah, I sure I did. Okay, so geez, l- let's let's talk about February. Okay, now there are special right. events, then there are special special events, and this, without question, for this franchise is going to be a special special event. So, have you started, or when do you start planning the February night for Dustin Brown? Um, you know, we had some initial conversations with Dustin and Nicole in June, you know, May, June of last year, almost directly after, after the season ended. And we talked about, um, you know, the fact that we're going to do this and we told them what we're going to do. So we had some initial discussions then, um, those are very preliminary, but at least gave them a framework and determined the date and what to expect over the, over the weekend. Uh, Truthfully, we met again with Dustin the other day, and we've been talking mm-hmm. to Cole on an ongoing basis. So we, you know, we're we're working through all the final details, but we aren't quite there yet on all the parts and pieces and logistics. Um, there's a lot to think about when you got two moments that you have to sure. go through. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, we went through that with Bob uh, with the statue and the, the I guess the the microphone uh, banner. Um, mm-hmm. But I think this one's, 
you know, probably significantly different than Bob with all due respect to Bob. So sure. we're, we've been kind of talking through how everything would be handled on the night and the weekend and the things that additionally we're, we're planning for the fans and stuff that weekend. So, um, you know, I think by Thanksgiving, we'll probably be in a pretty solid place um, with all the details. All right, so mark it down, Dennis. We're having him back on uh, December 1st so that we can get all of the uh, details. Cheese, I know how much you love it when I give you my ideas, so I'm going to give you one right now. The yeah. logo at Center Ice on that, that night when Dustin's jersey is retired, the logo at Center Ice needs to be replaced. It should not be the LA Kings logo that night. It should be that logo that was created uh, for Brownie reti- uh, Brownie's retirement last year. You know the logo I'm referring to? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a pretty decent idea. That'd be <laughs> Love it. really hard it's to pull off. But decent idea. Wait a minute. Why would that be hard Boy. to pull off? You just paint the ice. Yeah. Well, I, I would tell you, going down, scraping down to the layer where those logos are at, pulling them out, having the time to put the ice back in above it and dealing with ice quality is a lot to go through. We actually went through that last, last Christmas with the – um, the changes of the naming rights and there's there's a ton of logistics to go into it um, just to do that and a lot of people's lives that get impacted to do that as well so we always have to consider those things but that's I've never seen that done and that's a decent idea I will, I will, I will mark it down okay good so we're marking stuff down let's move along with our questions uh, Dennis is over here rolling his eyes at me with my ideas and questions oh, no, so uh, here's one what's up with the jersey and the helmet advertising um, What's going on there? The Kings do not have a helmet advertiser at this point. They don't have a jersey ad. I know some people out there are clapping as they listen to this. They don't want a, a sponsorship on there, but there have been a handful of them around the league, and some of them look pretty decent, uh, and, and I would imagine that the Kings can work one in. So can you give us any sort of an update? I know that there's not one there now, but could there be one still added throughout the season? Could you have one for the road, one for the home? How, how does it all work? What can you share with us? Yeah, I mean, I think there's 12 to 15 teams now that might have the jersey. Um, I think there's probably 20 to 25 that probably have the helmet. Um, you know, the fortunate part of where we're at is from a sponsorship perspective, we're in a really good place. We're actually at record numbers uh, for our team. So it's allowed us to take some time with the helmet and jersey partner to make sure that we get some partners that are like-minded. Um, and we really want to be represented in those two locations. Um, so, you know, we're taking some time with it and, and making sure that we find partners that are authentic, look good, uh, give us a chance to have a long-term relationship and not just a short-term relationship. I think we've had two, you know, two partners through COVID that, you know, one, both that are still with us, Spectrum and, and had two partners with uh, Spectrum and Cal Hope that are, have been fantastic and are still with us. But, you know, we're looking for something a little bit deeper on those helmets and jerseys now. Geez, with respect to reverse retro, now they, they've all been released. And it's clear that some teams gave a lot more thought than others uh, about what they were going to produce. Uh, and certainly the Kings are one of those teams that it looks like a lot of thought went into it. It just wasn't, okay, we're going to slap Los Angeles on the jersey and we're going to put it out there. Like, cradle to grave, cheese. like this project to do this, this time around, how long did it take to get to the final permutation of of this this sweater? Um, you know, I, I was just looking at the final artwork 
the other day, Darren Granger asked me for it, and we signed off on it on February 1st, 2021. So that was the day that we signed off on final art. I think we saw the first piece of art, you know, probably four or five months prior to that. Uh, You know, you go through four or five different options. This one's a lot different than designing, say, the home, the alternate or the away jersey. This one is much more league-driven, Adidas-driven. So they come to you with some pretty good designs from the get-go. You know, we're fortunate to have a lot of history to choose from and be able to mesh up. Not all the teams are that you know, that lucky. And we have a lot of great history and a lot of great jerseys and a lot of great colors to work with. So, you know, I think we are able to get something, you know, a few options in our, uh, in our favor pretty quickly. And, you know, I know some fans have tweeted it at me before. And I think once we saw this white version of this jersey, you know, we've seen the fans, you know, make this, this choice before. And we're like, look, this looks like one that's going to be pretty popular. So we went with it. We made some adjustments to it. Um, and I think it's 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 gone over pretty well. Are you telling me you took you kept this a secret from John Hovind for eighteen months? Is that possible, <laughs> Dennis? I wanted to just tell you that was my next question. I think okay. that he's lying. I think that he's trying to just <laughs> he's he's trying to rub it in that he it is. took that long. I think if anything, John and I have come to an agreement on is a mutual <laughs> respect that I'm not going to give him any hints related to right. jersey. Of course, that's true. So he doesn't ask me. It's not worth it anymore because I think you just have <laughs> the same answer on repeat. I'm not telling you yeah. anything. Exactly. Yeah. I think I've given you hints before when I want to give you hints, but that's, that's about it. Jeez, that was like years ago. That might have been a decade that is, ago. That is true. That is true. It's when the home plate logo came out, maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, so Chief, yeah. uh, part of this is to help grow the game, right? Because it's it's more fashionable look. I get it. Um, is it more, and you, you, you're very worldly when it comes to other cities, other markets, other sports, is it more difficult to grow the game in Los Angeles because of all the competing, well, not competing, all the professional sport franchises, as opposed to maybe a Nashville or Tampa, where there's not a lot of competition for the sports, specifically the sports, but the entertainment dollar. So are there more challenges here than, than other cities around North America? Yeah, I would say that when you're in the big markets like our, you know, LA and New York, you're dealing with a lot. I mean, I was in New York last week for the Board of Governors meeting, and I think it was the night of Game Five for the Yankees, and you could walk around the city. You didn't know there was Game Five versus the Yankees that night. So it's when you're in these major media markets, you're dealing with a lot of competition from, you know, news sources, the storylines, um, and multiple teams. So. It is really hard. That's why we have to be different the way we approach things. But we're also, you know, given a lot of advantages as well. I mean, from a fashion capital, there's, you know, we have tremendous opportunities in this in this sure. town. You know, we're one of the the biggest towns as it relates to fashion and streetwear, and they all love our brand. So we 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 try to lean into that. That allows us to be cool and um, drive different initiatives that most teams and organizations don't have. And then. You take that and, you know, put that into programs like your ball hockey programs and the Junior Kings programs. You know, you see the Junior Kings and undefeated now. I mean, I think that does go a long way to help grow the game and, you know, make people attached to our brand for the decades that we want them attached to to it, not just the the couple years. 
It's certainly cooler than when Gretzky tried to uh, do that deal with L.A. Gear back in the day. That that was not very cool, Cheese. <laughs> I don't know if you were in Los Angeles yet for that, but um, have, let, let's go back to uh, to the jerseys for just a second because this is a question that comes up a lot on Twitter, and we have to try to field it in social media. So I'll just give you an opportunity to respond to it, and that is, what's the likelihood, or is there any chance beyond just the oh sure, there's a chance? What's the likelihood that any of these reverse retro jerseys or some similar version ends up uh, becoming a regular alternate jersey for the Kings? Or would there be any plans in the future years to add a different alternate jersey uh, that would incorporate some purple? Uh, I, you know, look, I, I don't want to say, say never. However, I mean, I think you look at in the next couple of years, you know, Adidas next year's the last year with Adidas and that's when, you look at the year after, and that's when the teams will be focused on, you know, a new set of jerseys with a new partner. And I think you'll probably look at a lot of teams that are maybe looking at some brand enhancements and updates at that point in that year because uh, you'll be looking at, you know, completely new partnerships. So uh, I, I think that that's the timeline that you'll see probably changes across the league. As it relates to us in purple and gold, it comes up a lot. Obviously, when we, we've done these two last reverse retros, they've been tremendous. They've sold off the off the chain we know how much people love the purple and gold and how much we love the purple and gold i think where you'll see us utilize it moving forward as long as you know this current regime of individuals are running the organization and we're doing the research with our fans is probably more specialized jerseys like reverse retro or stadium series or special circumstances um we'd like to get back to doing the heritage games like we we done on the legends night in the past where we wore, wore the purple and gold. I think that's the right way to use it uh, while still respecting the fact that we are a black, silver, and white team, and that's just our distinctive in town. That purple and gold is going to look great in that uh, outdoor game against Vegas. <laughs> You've been trying to scoop that one for like four years now. You just keep saying it. think it's going to come to fruition. It's coming, Cheese. I'm like Connor McDaver. Uh, Connor McDaver. <laughs> I'm like, I combined two athletes. It's like Connor McGregor. If you just keep saying it and visualizing it, it eventually happens. So it's going to happen. Right. DB? I'll mark my calendar. I'll mark yeah. my calendar for August 15th when you text me asking me if it's coming out. <laughs> Great, Chief, uh, uh, a Jersey-related question, but also to uh, uh, it segues into a bigger picture question. I know when the, the last reverse retro came out, supply chain issues, uh, there wasn't a lot of availability. It sold out very, very quickly. Have you gotten past that with this version? Is, is inventory is going to be a higher level where people might want something two or three months from now? They might still be able to get it. Yeah, definitely. I mean. Adidas and the league and all the licensees were all able to buy into it differently this time for all the teams. I think the, the data also allowed the teams to have a more thoughtful look at the, what demand levels would be. Uh, as it relates to like reorders and things like that, I don't know if there's going to be the ability to reorder into it once they're sold out. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's definitely much different than it was last time. It's been a lot smoother. Um, I think the creative that they executed across the league and the way that the teams all executed the creative last week was outstanding. You had players in the Jersey when you're, you know, you're showcasing um, the creative after um, the Adidas. Did. That was just much, much different than last time. So it's been an outstanding campaign so far. I'm really proud of the way that our teams handled it. Uh, and it was cool to see Fial on the Jersey uh, when it was officially released. 
And she, since you mentioned you were at the Board of Governors, the big picture question is, um, how close are we, state of the game, to where we were before the pandemic, 2019? That's a great question. I mean, I think you guys got the same information that we did. Gary didn't hold any of that back. I think he, he said, we're, you know, there's a good possibility that we could pay off that screw by the end of the year and the cap could go up by next year. So you guys have been around this league um, long enough to know that once that kind of comes out and Gary says it out loud, it's usually pretty close. So it's, it's we're pretty optimistic. Um, the playoffs last year were just incredible from what they've brought in terms of overall revenue uh, across the league. So that made a huge, huge dent pretty quickly. So, and all the teams just did a lot better last year than they expected. Um, now each market was different and each market was going sure. through a different journey at that point. Um, but, you know, ultimately I think we've come out of COVID in a pretty good place. And, you know, we've been really happy with what we've seen so far this year as well. Cheese, when, when, uh, when Gary was here on opening night, there was a question that he did sidestep and that was the relationship between the Kings and Bally's or the future uh, relationship. I should say, I know you guys are still under contract with them, but as, as we look ahead to the outer years, uh, in the not too distant future, actually, is there anything that you can say at all about sort of the direction, um, that AEG or that the Kings would like to take the broadcasting? Obviously streaming has become a much bigger deal, but what, you know, what, what sort of headlines can you share with us uh, about the future and making the game available on multiple platforms for fans? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I can give you a bunch of headlines. I mean, it, it, we're in, we're in our talks and negotiations with Ballets and Sinclair right now, just like the Clippers just went through that. And many other teams have gone through that. Um, you know, I think as a league and, and, and sports in general, we're all very focused on growing our reach and growing um, our distribution, not seeing it continue to shrink the way that it has the last five, six years through cord cutting. And then also what most fans don't really realize when that cord cutting happens, there's you're backed into these other uh, rights um, restrictions that you know are really driven by the, the MVPDs and the, the broadcasters. So, you know, the teams kind of get back into a corner where you can't just start streaming a game when you don't have the right to do that. So, I think you're, the league has done a fantastic job, and Sinclair and Bally's has done a fantastic job of starting to create platforms. I think ESPN Plus has been fantastic uh, the last couple of years. We've had some tremendous results with it, just with Kings fans across the country. Um, and the new um, Bally's Plus uh, direct-to-consumer package, I think, is a great alternative for the fans that don't have, um, currently aren't you know being carried on their on their cable platform. So, you know, the, the, you're seeing these options come to the table, and I think they're only going to get um, they're not only going to grow and get enhanced. I think the MLS deal with Apple is super interesting. So um, it, it's it's a fun time to go through it. It's a very uncertain time to go through it, but it is um, it's really cool to see you know our opportunities, and I think we're 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 focused on growing that reach. Now, follow-up to that would be, you mentioned the Clippers package, and they announced that Steve Ballmer camera. Um, I'm wondering, has anybody talked to Luke yet about doing the Luke cam for the new streaming thing? It would be great to watch Luke watch a game. You guys would be shocked <laughs> at how much you would probably would not like to watch that. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was sarcasm. That was, <laughs> yeah. In fact, you guys probably have 
watched him before. It's not it's not that interesting. It's interesting when he's with uh with fans and uh and his wife, but maybe not when he's next to Blakey. There's not much going on there. <laughs> Fair enough. So John tried to get a scoop with you with respect to an outdoor game. Um I'll I'll try the other uh the other special event that goes on throughout the league. Um is there an appetite to take this team back overseas to Europe or even, and we reported it earlier this week, there's some talk about opening the season in, in Australia next season. So what kind of appetite does this team have to, to go back in the uh, global series? Well, you guys know us well enough. We're always hungry to do those um, games and, you know, overseas. So, you know, it, probably it's not rocket science. I mean, the, the building's going to go through significant renovations in the next couple of years. So, uh, we're going to need to be out of the out of the building for as long as we possibly can. So we're certainly in those conversations to be in, um, you know, those alternative markets. I can't tell you exactly where we're going to land right now because nothing's confirmed even to us. But sure, uh, you know, over the next couple of years, we're definitely going to be need to be out of the building. So, and you know, as it relates to games, you know, special events and outdoor games, you know, we're certainly not confirmed in anything. But we're starting to get back to where the team would have would earn its right to be in those games again. So, you know, it, we're probably a few few years away before that happens. But you guys know that we're a team that, you know, we're constantly in the league office and, you know, looking to be in those games because we're Los Angeles and we need to do that. So, geez, that, that was a consideration when the team wasn't doing well to say we're going to back off and, and not want to – to venture overseas and not go in the, those, the global series because the team wasn't performing well? Well, it's, it's you got to be fair to the league, right? Because those are league okay. events. So, you know, demand is demand. And the team being more relevant impacts the results of those games. So, you know, you have to be respectful of what you're going through. And I think you also, you have to be, you have to be in the right time, right place with your players as well, where, you know, they, you know, they're going to benefit from being in those games. The team coming together in a different way is going to be, be in those games. So there's a lot go, that goes into the process. And sometimes sure. you have to kind of pull internally and just say, hey, you know, we got to focus internally and within our own market for the time being and just get it right. Chase, there's been a lot of talk so far this year about the dynamic uh, advertising on the boards. You know, the NHL is always trying to push the envelope and look for new ways to create, you know, advertising opportunities, revenue streams, et cetera. Um, your, your take uh, on, on how it's gone so far and are the Kings doing anything maybe different than what some other teams might be doing? Or are you guys all working together to do the same thing? Take us behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, you have three or four options the way you can handle the branding on what the, they call it DED digital enhanced dashboards. We, we choose to use the zones more frequently. So you'll see a lot of the brands kind of locked within say the blue line or uh, behind the net or, you know, within the, um, you know, kind of, I guess, blue line to, to the end line there. So we use that a little bit more frequently. I think it's framed it in really well. Uh, the first, couple games. I mean, the games over in Europe didn't go well. I mean, there's some technical issues. Um, but I think once everything's gotten going here, they're, it's really impressive. I've actually had unsolicited you know, comments and texts from different CEOs and founders of businesses that I'm close with and that have reached out and, you know, first of all, they didn't know what was happening and said, you know, they weren't they aren't necessarily current partners. And once they saw it, they're like, what the heck is that? That's amazing. So, um, you know, that was good feedback for us. 
I think when you look at, uh, it's an interesting take. If you look at watching an old game or a game just last year with the static dashboards versus the games now, um, not that you need to be staring at advertising all the time, but look at the difference, the way you're recognizing the brands, you probably see the return on investment different uh, now than, than what we're currently looking at. So yeah, there was, I, none of us were happy with the games in Europe. The, there were some technical issues there, but ultimately I think things have uh, framed up to be you know pretty strong for, for the brands. And ultimately that's going to grow revenue, which grows the salary cap and provides more, more competitive hockey for our fans to watch. So that's the name of the game. Jeez. Any further updates on, on the arena, arena updates, any other in, intel that you could uh, talk to us about right now? Let's see. Um, you know, obviously, this, we just finished year one of, of three of the renovations. I don't know. I can't recall how detailed I've gotten in discussions with you guys. So the first the first phase here this year, we you know we we did some some new things with the clubs. You had the new impact lounge for the season ticket members. It's been really well reviewed. I didn't know exactly how how um, that was going to be um, received by all the season ticket members, but it's been really well received for the the, the lower level season ticket members that have a, a private club uh, for themselves. And then we've we've opened up the new chairman's room downstairs for our IC holders. So some nice couple nice new spaces. If you go up to the A level of suites, you'll see a little bit of the design motif that's um, that really going to ultimately go throughout the building once everything is done. Next year, the main concourse is going to get completely redone. We'll have the first level of the tunnel club that will replace Ludo's and Golden Road Bar there. Um, and then um, – the third year, we'll have that new 300-level club with City View Terrace that'll go in. So we also start getting the bathrooms redone, more concession stands. I think the new the new Amazon walkouts that have gone in on the concourse are phenomenal. Uh, it's been have gone over really, really well with throughput of what people buying buying drinks. And what it's opened our eyes to is that Amazon walkout technology can be used really in any enclosed location. So you might see it used throughout the building in a couple different spaces. Interesting. A uh, a few episodes ago, geez, we were talking about some of the slogans, the, the the branding that has been used either through the marketing group or even offline, you know, uh, specific to the players and whatnot. I'm curious if there is a tagline or or a brand that you're looking to to push coming forward. You know, in the past, it's been like we are all kings or serious hockey. You know, different things. What do you, what are you guys working on? If yeah, we. No, you know, we're we're just we're just a lot more focused on go Kings go and GKG uh, uh-huh. simply because that's what our fans chant and say, and is very recognized within our brand. So uh, we are all Kings is still used within um, Kings care foundation. Uh, you know, obviously that's a uniting kind of call to action for the foundation and the community. We've continued to use that. I think that was probably one of our more well-received taglines over the years. Now when you win, at least one cup with it that makes it well received. But, you know, the things like serious hockey and I, you know, I think, I don't know, I can't remember them all, but you know, they're inconsistent and that's what we don't like. And they don't test well when you're trying to rebrand that every year. It just, the call to action is different. I mean, you don't see the Dodgers doing that. You don't see the Lakers doing that. You just, you try to be consistent with your brand and we try to put, you know, the, the logo, 
front and center and the players and the brand and the black and silver up front to be, you know, best represented. So you'll see just, I mean, currently in the marketplace, any, any of our out of home is all go Kings go because that's what you guys say every night, two to three times a night, you start chanting it. So it probably is the, what we're, we'll continue to stick with. We do like GKG. Uh, we get a lot of that signed off on text and emails and things like that to us. So I think that's well received as well. Okay. So here's the last question then. Uh, normally, I'm the one commentating about the music that needs to be played at the arena. We're going to give you an opportunity. Is there a song that you want to close out the, your uh, your interview with here today as we turn it over to the third period? Do you have a track that you want us to play? Uh, you know, the, for me, the most nostalgic is, is Black Parade. Um, I actually loved that song before Danny and the team chose that in 2012. So I think that's probably stuck with me the most in terms of giving me the best, uh, you know, the the hair raising on my arm, I would say. So I I would go with that. Uh, You know, they they played it and they played it in DC last night. We scored two goals and then we lost, but (laughs) it's, it's, it's it's just a good song. True. Uh, and before we let Cheese go, I want to thank him for making the, the the new video boards full game action and not putting two thirds of it on the statistics that we don't really need. And and I'm hoping Cheese the other renovation between periods that drum line walking through the concourse. Oh boy! Okay, that's all I got to say. Thanks, Cheese. I I, I hear you. I hear you guys okay. every time you say something. Uh. I usually talk to you guys after the game. Sean and the yes. team uh, on our game ops, game entertainment team, I think they're trying a lot of things. Um, and we want to continue to give them that opportunity. You know, not every, the one thing I would say, you know, when we hear fan feedback from one or two people, sometimes the negative is also received as the positive from other people. So you try to balance it all and mm-hmm. listen to people and, you know, not, not everything is for everybody. And that's, you know, a town of 15 million people. It's hard to do that for sure. See, w- the problem is, Cheese, is that it impedes our ability to talk to our fan base between periods. <laughs> that's the real problem. Because people, you know, we're, we're at the media elevators. People want to come by. And we can't talk like this for 10 minutes because the drum runs. So that's the real issue that uh, we have, not, not the entertainment value. I, I do not disagree with you. Okay. So put it that way all right well keep pushing and i love i i love the drum line but i think the right place the right time is appropriate so that's that's my opinion well keep pushing the envelope uh keep it up i love seeing the renovations in the building i love seeing the innovation and the changes within the team it not only gives us something to talk about but uh it it also gives us a glimpse into the future so uh, look the season hasn't gotten off to the best of starts i think that goes without saying cheese but we always appreciate you coming on and uh sharing some information with us and, and even giving us a few uh needles and a few jabs about wow you had that jersey since february of 2021 that's gonna keep me up tonight but uh i will try to get through I'll it leave, can i can i leave you with one more i'll tell you one more <laughs> sure go yeah, ahead please we're, please, please. We're, uh, since you guys brought up noise and sound we're we're evaluating a new sound system over the next couple of years as well so That'll that's something for you to think about. That'll be fantastic. Different speakers yep. to play the cult or Guns N' Roses or Metallica <laughs> at the proper volume. That's and mix in some social distortion. It all sounds great. Cheese, thank you so much. All great, uh, all great tunes. 
We're going to play you out with Black Parade, and then we're going to come back in the third period and talk more about uh, some roster shenanigans. Cheese, thanks again for coming on. Kelly Cheeseman, you guys can follow him on Twitter or find him walking around uh, Crypto.com Arena and tell him how much you love his appearance on Kings of the Podcast. Have a great night, Cheese. Thanks, fellas. There you go. Kelly Cheeseman. We'll be back after the break. He said, will you defeat them, you demons and all the non-believers, the plans that they have made? Because one day I'll leave you a phantom to lead you in the summer to join the Black Parade. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the mayor. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, third period. And uh, Dennis Bernstein, as we, or as I like to do, uh, I like to ask you coming out of an interview, what were some of the two or three sort of key takeaways? Cheese gave us a lot. We're going to have to go back and listen yeah. to the interview. But what were sort of two or three of the things that, that pop out immediately for you out of that uh, conversation? I just think the overarching point for me, and it also happened with Rob, I just think there's a more comfortable conversation with both these guys. The Lake episode and Cheese has been a little bit more forth, not forthcoming, but let us hair down a little bit more, a little more of a casual conversation. You know, we talked about it before we opened up the mic. So I think that's one of the biggest takeaways in that this team, and you used the great word, they're driving innovation. Right. And in a market that's very competitive with so many entertainment options and sports options, they innovate. So I think those are the two things that, you know, certainly cheese is the, the forefront of the innovation. I think that that to me, those are the two biggest takeaways. How about you? Um, well, I think the opening up about the appetite for being involved in more of the global stuff, uh, more of the special events, because it did appear that they had kind of backed off a little bit while the team was going through you know, the recreation of the LA Kings. And so uh, acknowledging that, Hey, this team is a little bit better now and is more marketable to the league and for those special events. Um, there's that. Uh, and then also the fact that I want to get up now onto the uh, series or excuse me, the a level, uh, not series a, but the a level of, uh, I want to go check out the motif. Uh, yes. And then I also really appreciate it. And you know what? I should have mentioned this at the end. Uh, he was kind enough to throw in Danny Zollers there, a reference yeah. to, uh, to Danny, who uh, we lost a few years ago and yep. um, just, just a wonderful, wonderful, great, great man. And uh, he's still missed in the LA Kings organization. So it was nice of cheese to, uh, to reference Danny Zollers there too. For sure. Those Absolutely. were, those were probably my key takeaways, but I'll go back and listen to it again, like everybody else. And uh, well, I mean that, and the fact that he tried to tell us that he had the Jersey since February of 2021, <laughs> which I'm going to call BS on right now, as I did on that interview. Uh, I, there's no way that he was sitting on it for that long. That has to be him right. just, uh, you know, Getting getting a few chirps in uh, in my direction, and that's okay. That's fine. That's okay. I, I accept the challenge of of trying yeah. to figure out the jersey before they release them. So that's fine. Exactly. Yeah, it's a long game. Play the long game with cheese. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. You know, he has his his tentacles involved in so many things yeah. in the organization, though, Dennis. That we could have done another full hour with him, and 100%. we could have gone way deep into the arena and into more about the advertising and the sponsorships because he talked about how revenue is up and you know that sort of thing. Nice. And you have to think that the that the new advertising on the boards plays into that. And then he talked about the long term relationship that they're looking for with the um, helmet and with the jersey sponsors what does that mean is it a two-year is it a three-year and i don't even think he ever answered my question about could it be a different home versus road and and yeah. you know i mean there are so many different variations 
could you have the helmet sponsor be the same as the jersey sponsor? Like, he doesn't have to name names of who they're talking to, but maybe about some of the creative solutions or creative ideas that they've been talking about. To use the word innovation, I think that when they're talking with these potential partners, they're probably coming up with some crazy stuff that we haven't even thought of, right? It's not just sure. a very flat, two-dimensional conversation of, hey, right, would you like right. to buy a three-by-three sponsor on a jersey? Or, you know, hey, sure. would you like a decal on the helmet? I think they're probably coming up with some really cool stuff, or at least they've talked about some cool things, whether it ever comes to fruition or not is is different. But um, again, we could we could have talked all kinds of things. And I said at the yeah. top of the interview, uh, he's involved on the AEG side. He's involved in the Ice Bear and he's involved in the Galaxy. Um, so much more. Hell, we didn't even get into what's going on at TSPC and the, the new bleachers right. they're putting in and the rookie uh, face-off tournament that's coming there next year. So, so much more that we could have talked about. Uh, that was a good 30 minutes with Cheeseman. We appreciate that. For sure. Absolutely, we do. Yeah, it's always been accessible to us. Now, Dennis, uh, let's make a hard left here. Let's get back to the conversation we were having in the first period, which is more about the roster and the changes mm-hmm. or the uh, the fear that people have or the changes that they're demanding. We all know that Todd McClellan is not being fired today. Yes, no, so we no. can – We I don't think exactly. we need to spend time on that topic, do we? Cross the line through that. Uh, okay, they're, not so treating, not. they're not treating Cal Peterson. Okay, well, oh, but, but let's 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 hold right. on, though, and talk about Cal for a minute. Not about trading okay, him. Yeah, That's, yeah. It's not happening, but um, – I want to see if you pick up the thread that I'm that I'm leaning on here, because I said something about mm, I think it was two years ago on this program. Not that you remember everything that I say, because a lot of stuff comes out of my mouth. But I'm wondering if you know where I'm going with this. So I'm going to read some names to you. Cal Peterson, Oli Mata, Curtis McDermott, Ilya Kovalchuk, Jake Muzzin, Marion Gabrick, Dwight King, Dustin Brown, Jack Johnson, Austin Wagner. Do you, are you able to pick up on the theme that I'm going to go for here in a minute? No, I can read the I'm list not. to you again if you would like. No, no, no. I, I'm not close. It's not You're numerology. Not no, I'm not, not it's, close to it. It's not numerology, but here's what it is. Two years ago, I asked the question on this program, Dennis, and that question was, when and where do Kings fans have the meeting during the off season? Because I, I strongly believe that there's a small contingent of them that get together and they take a vote on who the player is going to be that everybody is going to chirp that particular season, because there seems to be (laughs) this, this ganging up mentality on one particular player every year. And so if you go back and I did it by season, I went sort of in reverse order. I'm like, okay, so Cal Peterson's now the guy this year, previous seasons, it was Oli Mata. It was Curtis McDermott. It was Austin Wagner. It was (laughs) Kovalchuk, Muzzin, Gabrick. The list goes on and on. Dustin Brown at one point prior to winning a Stanley Cup or two cups uh, was on that list as well. Every season, there is a player, Dennis. We're seven games into the 2022-2023 season, and the pitchforks are out, and they're coming for Cal Peterson. Yeah. Well, there's usually six anonymous wise guys that that start the herd mentality. It's always those same six knuckleheads. that. But, yeah, he needs to be better. But like you're not gonna trade him. Like what are you, what are you gonna do? Like oh maybe Matt Falalta. I, I like somebody asked you about Matt Falalta. That's gonna be the answer. No disrespect to that player. Like you, you got to ride out the storm. The guy has to be better. He knows he has to be better. The team in front of him has to be better. It's a it, look. It's a perfect storm right now defensively. But this is what you have right now. You have 10.8 million dollar cap hit in net. It, it's not going to change, right? So you can be patient and hopefully he finds his way through. And because 
And look, a part of his game, like the last 10 minutes in Nashville in the shootout, he was good. The rest of the season has been crap for him. He knows it. He's under pressure. He's trying to earn this this, this contract that they gave him. So there's a lot of different things going on. But the, but again, the, the same phrase I use, to head for the exits on Cal Peterson now? Right. And you know what, fans? You're right. He has been bad. Yes. But but it but it's seven games in. He's going to play half the games. He he needs to be good for another 37 games. And he needs to work at it. Maybe Bill Ranford. Maybe there's something in the video they can see. With respect to that, I think there's a lack of confidence there. But you're not you're done with the guy? Okay. Well, I'm going to bring up a name that a lot of people were done with, including myself. Well, Gabe Velarde everybody was done with. I was done with him, and everybody was done with him. And this is what happened. You you need to have patience sometimes, especially when there's no other options, John. And that's the key. There's not a guy. And people in Phoenix Copley, you said he's 30. That, that's not the future. Like a stopgap, if there was an injury, sure. But right now yeah. you got to ride it out and hope the player gets better. Well, let's make sure that people, uh, because not everybody is on Twitter. I find that hard to believe, but let's let's just go with that as a, as, as a fact, Dennis, yes. that not everybody is on Twitter. So some people listening right now missed all of the Twitter activity earlier today, the Q&A session, the group therapy yeah. session that took place. And so King's were, Rehab. There you go. <laughs> King's Rehab. There you go. There you go. Uh, I think, have you trademarked that, by the way, yet? Not yet. I'm, I'm waiting okay. for, for a couple more seven goal losses. Okay, trademark that. We'll talk to Hammer. We'll see if we can get some uh, VG t-shirts made with King's Rehab on there. Um, but look, there there were two key points relative to goaltending that you've referenced that, that non-Twitter readers should pick up on. One is that Matt Vallalta is not the answer. And the reason, all you have to do is look no further than the fact that, that Look who has started for the Ontario Reign. Matt Vallalta was given every opportunity to earn the starting job and to be the starting goaltender, uh, both when Coach John Robleski was there as well as when uh, he, after he left and you had Craig Johnson and, and Chris Height uh, running the team. Uh, he, he was given every opportunity and was the starter most nights. Um, this season, that has not been the case. I think three of the first four games, Copley started, not Vallalta. And so, look, Volalta is working through his own things going on in the American Hockey League. So then you turn your attention to Copley. Uh, he is 30 years old, people. This is not yep. a prospect. This is not a young goaltender. He passed through waivers at the beginning of the year to go down to the Ontario uh, uh, reign. So it's not like there's a line of suitors waiting to get this player. And I don't say this to disparage either no. player. I'm saying it as a matter of reference when it comes to Cal Peterson. DB, I can't believe the number of people that have tweeted me over the weekend asking if Cal can or should go to the uh, AHL to work on his game. <laughs> That's not how it works, is all I can say. It's not how it works. Well, that conversation at Game 7. At Game 35, if it doesn't get better and, and you're there's a risk of missing the playoffs because of his performance, then, yeah, you can have that conversation. You don't have a conversation now when the team in front of him isn't being very good defensively as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Are, are we clear then, uh, DB, or at least are we on the same page? I guess I'll say that Jonathan Quick, who, by the way, has a save percentage of sub 900 at this point mm -hmm. and has a goals against average uh, that's uh, just a tick below four goals per game, that the L.A. Kings have a goaltending slash defense slash goals allowed, you know, et cetera, et cetera, issue. They don't necessarily have exclusively a Cal Peterson issue at the moment. No, he's part of the, the challenge and issue that has to improve, but he's certainly not alone. He's not, oh, we're losing games because this guy, because he started six of the seven games. And I'll give an example. Thatcher Demko in, in Vancouver hasn't been good. 
And they've been losing games because he hasn't been good. That's not the case here. The team in front of him hasn't been good. The Fords haven't been good. The defense has challenges in trying to form. We talked about in the first period. So, no, it's not a Cal Peterson problem. It's an overall scheme, defensive scheme issue right now. Yeah, But absolutely. they do have to make some saves, John. That That's the other thing. Steal a game. Yes. yes, absolutely. The goaltenders need to make some saves, and everybody in front of the goaltenders need to play a little bit better when it comes to defensive uh, you know, hockey. Now, uh, DB, there. Let, we've talked about the goaltending here. We've talked about the defensemen uh, in the first period. Let's talk about the forwards here for a bit because on, I don't know when it was, uh, Saturday, I guess it was Saturday, uh, I had tweeted out that, hey, look, uh, when the Kings, Kings come back after the road trip, Jacob Mavari expected to be uh, back in the American Hockey League uh, now that Alex Edler has returned. And so they have their seven defensemen and that opens up a roster spot. Now, you don't have to use that roster spot, but uh, theoretically, they would be calling up a forward uh, to mm -hmm. to take that extra spot that had been vacated by Alex Iafalo, who apparently has uh, gone on to long term injured reserve, which yeah. means a minimum of 30 days. So it doesn't mean yeah. six months. It means a minimum of 30 days. And uh, I had reported a few days ago or earlier in the trip that it certainly was at least week to week. He wasn't going to be returning uh, uh, very soon. So it's a minimum of 30 days going back to the Tuesday, I believe, that he was put on uh, injured reserve uh, after the Nashville game, if memory serves me correctly. So the names that I threw out were Sammy Fagamo and Rasmus Kapari, who continue to put up points and score goals and play well and get big minutes with the uh, Ontario Reign. However, the player that they called up was Austin Wagner. And at first, it caught a couple people off guard. The key reason for that, DB, is because of the LTIR and the cap savings. The Kings have been playing right. the cap game over the last couple of years. You saw this a lot with the taxi squad and them shuttling um, players around. So I just thought I would take a brief opportunity and then I'll turn it over to you to yeah, sure, give your please. thoughts on this. But people love to or need to understand the, uh, the, the contract sort of calculations here. So the Kings are allowed to exceed the salary cap uh, by the injured player's cap hit minus how much cap space that they had when they put the player on LTIR. So, for example, when you put Alex Iafalo at $4 million and change, I believe, on mm -hmm. LTIR, you can go over the cap by not the full amount of his contract, but the amount of his contract, or his AAV, I should say, the amount of his AAV less whatever the difference is of the Kings spending all the way up to the cap. So if they would have called up Fagamo or if they would have called up Kapari or one of these other players, those guys are on contracts that make less money than Austin Wagner. So the way to maximize your LTIR is to call up the most expensive player that you can to get to the to as close to the cap ceiling as you possibly can. Now, if I remember correctly, there was a team and I unfortunately I can't remember who it was, Dennis, but at the beginning of the year, uh, this was tweeted out. One team, I think, was able to get right to the absolute dollar yeah. for the first time in NHL history. Somebody got right to the ceiling amount. But anyways, the Kings were allowed I to. I think it was I think it was the, the lease were four dollars below the, the <laughs> okay. salary cap. The Kings that's didn't that's quite get to the four dollar mark they're, 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 they're But they got close. Yeah. OK, um, right. so there was nobody else that they could have called up uh, or, or at least I say by getting Austin Wagner. up, sure. They got as close as they thought they could get to the cap. Where I'm going with all of this is it immediately begs the question, well, what are they going to do? Is Austin Wagner going to then be inserted into the lineup and see the savior to what's going on? Let me just remind everybody, Jared Anderson Dolan, he still is in the L.A. Kings organization. I know that he's been MIA here for the beginning of the year, and I don't know if Todd knows that he was on the road trip, but Jad was on the road trip, DB. He was okay. available, and uh, Todd did say earlier in the, uh, I think prior to going out on the road, that he needed to get all players involved. 
And for some reason, 28 never got a sniff, but mm -hmm. they don't need Austin Wagner to play. So this move actually makes sense for two reasons. If you have three reasons, if you ask me, number one, the LTIR that I just talked about. Right. Number two, uh, you don't, you don't really need Austin Wagner to play because you have Jad who could go into the lineup if needed. And then the third reason would be, well, why do you want to call up Fagamo or Kapari or anybody for that matter, Akil Thomas, et cetera, if you're not going to play them? You don't need right. to call them right. up and kind of reward them at this point in the season um, and, and let them be a healthy scratch. Now, I know they would like to get called up because they make about 10 times more money. <laughs> Seriously, like right. really, like not – like, yeah, legit. Ten times, like seventy grand. Like 700 seventy, grand. right? Seven hundred grand, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, Only six hundred thirty thousand dollars difference, Sean. It's not that. Yeah. <laughs> so, although they would like to get called up, if you leave them in Ontario for now and allow them to develop, that's great. And then here's the other thing, Dennis. You can just do the old switcheroo on game day, so you can actually send Austin Wagner back down on game day, and you could call up Kapari or right. Fagamo if you wanted right. to get them into the lineup. But here's sure. my last comment. I think for me, I would just say it's really about the same thing that we said about the defensemen, and that is they have their roster. Sort the roster out. Figure out what's going on. You don't necessarily need to try to incorporate a young prospect at this point because that's not going to be the answer to turning the Kings season no, around. No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. No, they, they have to figure out how to be better defensively, more structure. Uh, and maybe they go back to that one three one that they did all last season. I don't think that's going to really help as well. But just a matter of chemistry, getting refamiliarized. It's not even familiarization, John. It's you have to get refamiliarized because these guys will say. Plus, now for the last couple of games, the Deno line has been a lot better. So I think that will help as well. There and Phil, as he had a slow start, he's starting to score some goals. He hasn't been great in the faceoff dot. Kopi's been a monster. He's like sixty one percent and. Blake was asking 57%. I think they have to need to find the, the end of game situations too, John, where they, you got the right players out there at the end of the game to protect leads. They're going to have to do that as well. So, but I agree with you. It doesn't make sense to these other names. No, especially for an extra forward. It's interesting that, that you know, the three kids are playing together, Callie, Villardi, and, and Byfield. But I agree with you. I, I think this is the right move for the reasons that you just stated. Well, I certainly never wished an injury upon Alex Ayafalo, but if you remember back at the beginning of the season, I was all for the kid line. I said, let's go. Kaliev, Byfield, and Velarde. That would be a great combination. I like the chemistry there. It's funny, Dennis. Do you, I've never really asked you this question before. Do you have the same sort of reaction prior to seeing guys play together? Do you have the mm -hmm. same sort of reaction of certain guys when, when, you, when you hear that they're going to play together? For example, I don't like the idea of Gabe Velarde playing with Andre Kopitar. There's just something about, mm. in my head, 11 and 13 is not a good pair that I want to see. I'm not interested in it. Now, maybe I could be proven wrong. Maybe they play together and they're fantastic. And then I'm like, wow, I was wrong. But I'm saying, do you, just, do you ever have that initial reaction as you're thinking about defensive pairs or as you're thinking about forwards and go, yeah, I just don't like the idea of those two players being together? Um. No, I'm looking. It's not like I don't. It's not a negative connotation. It's like okay, this this is not a fit. Like right? so, and with Fiala, look, I know the guy's going to take penalties. You're going to have to live with that. Like you're going to have to live with that. But the prospect of maybe Kopitar getting 70 assists with with two goal scorers, two 30 goal guys, I think that overrides the concern that some people have. And then people said, oh, he's a slow starter. Well, he hasn't started that slow. Yeah, he takes some stupid penalties. I, I get it. it. It's going to be part of it. So there's nothing like in the deployment of the lines, John, I could say, okay, this isn't going to work. Uh, but 
my own concern about putting those kids together is somebody's got to be responsible defensively. It's probably going to have to be Byfield. Yeah, it is. You're going to miss Ayafala more than you think. And I know people think, oh, he was a chip to make a trade for maybe, you know, chicken or whatever. Now you're going to see that responsibility he had in that line and the stability he brought to that line. It's going to be interesting to see those three kids to play together. And I hope he does keep them together because that's probably where they logically fit. Uh, But this is a bigger loss. I know the guy's on the third line, but a, a bigger loss than I think a lot of people will suspect. I Well, let me say a few things there. Number one, yeah. I don't necessarily think that you have to keep that third line together as is because I think that Grunstrom, who plays better typically on the left side than he does the right side, yeah. could be a good fit there. I'm, he's not a third-line player, but for spot duty, I could see that. And Jad can also play in that role as well if you want to get him into the lineup. So I think you have three options there on that third line about how to put it together. That's the first thing I would say. And then, um, well, then you also have the Kaliev thing about is he better as a right winger is he better as a left wing etc but back to the I follow thing look people were quick to want to trade him because they didn't want yep. to pay him four million dollars on the third line we talked about this I think during the show over the summer that's your insurance that's your that's your veteran player and you're yeah. seeing it now right without with, with him gone with him out of the lineup we were talking earlier about well what if there's an injury in the top six then you need I follow to be able to slide up right yeah. but now with I follow out of the lineup who is your veteran utility Swiss Army knife? Who's your Trevor Lewis that you have in that bottom six? The Kings don't have that right now. They're trying to All get right. there. They're trying to make that out of a Grundstrom or they're trying to make, you know, Velarde turns into a, you know, uh, an offensive piece that can go up the lineup. I know we tried him a couple nights ago, moving him into a top six role. So mm-hmm. you'll have to see some tinkering. But I actually agree with something that you said a moment ago, DB. I'm not overly concerned with these line combinations. Like jokes aside about getting 28 yeah. into the lineup. I'm fine with the top line. I'm fine with the second line. I'm fine with the third line. I'm fine with the fourth line. And I think that if you just sort of work 28 in there and, you know, get them a game every once in a while, you can put them on the third or fourth line. I'm fine with it, but I don't see any major issues there. The issues go back to what we talked about in the first period, and that is that you need to let the defensive pairings settle down and and try to get some stability and try to get some chemistry, continuity, identity. Lay a couple other words in there, DB. Uh, familiarization or re- reintroduce everybody to everybody. Hell, by the way, this is their team, and we're supposed to play the other under the ice too. But, John, it's tough because the game is trying – look, I think it's like 6.6 goals. You're going to have to score to win. It's not like, all right, Daryl, it's not a 3-2 league anymore. It really isn't, and they're going to have to score more. So, again, if they can fix some of the structure, I think they're just they're clearly a better offensive team. There's more weapons on this team. If they figure out the back end, they're going to be, I-, I think, in really good shape. All right, DB, we need to run. We need to wrap this episode up. I need to go text Daryl and tell him it's not a 3-2 league anymore. I'll be sure to let you know uh, what his reply reply is. Uh, Thanks again to Kelly Cheeseman for coming on and uh, giving us some insight about the arena and the jerseys and the the business side of hockey. Dennis, I'm glad to see that you made it back safely from the Umbrella Convention in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Kings have three home games coming up this week. They're going to kick things off playing Tampa. And then I think it's Winnipeg that comes in on Thursday, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and so then the Leafs on Saturday. The Toronto Maple Leafs coming in next weekend yes. on Saturday. So, uh, boy, the circus really is coming to town oh, next <laughs> next Saturday. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, we'll see you soon. You know I'm a dreamer, but my heart's a gold. I had a Take
Just one more night and I'm coming.